daughters, sisters, and wives. They're gonna change our lives. Big women, big girls. They'll make a better world. Invest in her. Now here's your host, Catherine Gray. Welcome to the Invest in Her podcast series. You know, I'm always about empowering women, all women, and that includes trans women. So I'm super excited today to have on the trans woman that was the co-host and the star of my very first entrepreneurial venture, which was a TV show called Way Off Broadway. Please welcome to the show. So happy to have you here, Nikki Adams. Hi, Nikki. Hi, how are you? I am so glad to reconnect with you. You know, thank God for Facebook because, uh, you know, after all this time we worked together in the mid 80s, you know, how would people find each other if it wasn't for Facebook? So, you know, it's that double-edged sword. A lot of people hate Facebook, but I wouldn't have known where you were if it wasn't for Facebook. So uh, really happy we reconnected. I feel like for me, this is like a full circle moment uh, because I'm really focused on um, the Invest in Her and She Angels platform, which is all about in you know investing in and helping entrepreneurs of all 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 women to soar. And um, this first endeavor that I did with you, I want to talk about what it was and how groundbreaking it was and how we got started on this journey together. So. Back in the mid 80s, as you and I know, and many of our listeners, but not all of them, uh, there really were no gay characters on TV and um, certainly no trans uh, performers on TV. I mean, it, it was just it didn't exist. And so the, the beginnings of creating this way off Broadway TV show that you hosted was I had walked into a nightclub and saw people picking up print programs about you know what was going on in town, what clubs there were, where they could have dinner, insurance companies they could buy from that were gay owned or whatever. And I thought, I was in cable television at the time, TV advertising. And I thought, wow, this is really ridiculous that gay people can't find out what's going on in their community through television. And that's really where the idea was born to create a variety show. And you were considered one of, you know, the lady of uh, female impersonation in Fort Lauderdale. And that's why I came to you and John Goodwin and said, hey, um, let's launch this, you know, uh, show, a variety show. And we'll feature the two of you as hosts. And we will feature gay entertainers, comedians and whatnot and also have on um, celebrated uh, recording artists. And, and, and that's how Way Off Broadway was born, right? That is correct. Yeah. So I don't even know if you remember this, but what I did was I went from Palm Beach to Fort Lauderdale to Miami to Key West, calling on gay businesses. And I said, we will make you a commercial to be in this first ever gay oriented TV show. And you can be reaching out to people through TV about your businesses so that gay people sitting in the privacy of their home could learn about clubs and restaurants and different businesses that they might want to support. And um, the way that we got around this, 
you know, because there was no gay TV back then, uh, the only way around it was that I went to a TV station and showed them a clip of you performing. Um, and they thought you were a woman and which you, which you are, you're a female impersonator. And, um, but they went ahead and signed a contract with me for the airtime. And so that's how we got it on the air. And once they'd signed that contract, there was nothing they could do. And so thus way off Broadway was born. And I remember the first night it aired on one of the independent channels in Miami, they got all kinds of calls going, what? what is this? What did you, what did you put on our air? You know, and it was great. You know, I, I love being a, a, a rebel and a, and a disruptor, you know, and that's what we were doing and it shouldn't have been a big deal, but it was right. It was indeed. It, it definitely was. People were yeah. talking all over our community. Yeah. So what kind of reaction did you get when people saw you on TV? Cause that, that was like, you were the first really female impersonator trans woman to be on TV. If you, if you realize that I've like done a lot of research on it and in the mid eighties, the only person that had been on a couple specials was Dame Edna and, and she had a TV show, but it was a talk show, but it was in um, England. So this was like really revolutionary. That is true. And, and Dame Edna to her credit is it considers himself an actor. He, do, he does not consider himself in the persona of, of Dame Edna at all. Right, Whereas, a totally different type, but as close as it would come to comparison. Correct. What was correct. going on in the '80s, which was basically zero. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you have people uh, watch it and and give you some feedback, like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're on TV"? Or, oh, there were there were many people who who truly were excited to have something like this on television, um, yeah. and it was local access, so we were just down here. But the the uh, the excitement from the community was certainly palpable. Yeah, we actually started on um, the um, the cable uh, independent channels, uh, and that was with the first co-host Tony Brown. I don't know if you remember that. I remember Tony, uh, yeah. I, that's the poster I still have. Uh, God knows how I still have this poster after thirty years of moving <laughs> from Miami to New York to LA and. Uh, but somehow I still have this poster of you and Tony Brown and on it is one of the recording artists that was featured then, which was Gail Allen of the Shirelles. Uh-huh. Oh, and then I remember some other recording artists we had on was like Pamela Stanley, who, who I'm still in contact with. Yes, me too. We're still dear yeah. friends from that show. And uh, she, of course, did a hit song for the gay community called Coming Out of Hiding that's still yeah. popular dance music today. Yeah. And um, I remember we had on the guys who did that uh, number one song, Diamond Girl. I can't remember their name, but yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, them. And um, so... And then I recall that besides it being part talk show and part entertainment, and we had on like some gay comedians and whatnot, um, that you and Dana, uh, excuse me, you and John Goodwin, who as a female impersonator was known as uh, Dana uh, Manchester, um, and two of you were like the hottest ticket in Fort Lauderdale, and and I'm sure you still are, and and I know John has since passed away, yes. sadly, sadly, and. Yes. Um, but you two also like had a, a troupe that was on that I just loved. I'll never forget the Manhattan Transfer. And well, that well, we were the man. We were the Manhattan Transformation. Oh, we, Transformation! Oh, I yeah, love that. Right. 
Yeah. And uh, that was with Ryan and Ryan, Chuck. And Chuck, right. Dana, myself, yes. Yeah, I don't know if you have a picture of that. If you do, I'd love you to send it to me. Um, uh, I think I do. Oh, that would be so cool. And you all used to do uh, music from the Manhattan Transfer. Right. So, you know, uh, besides doing the, uh, producing this show because of wanting to have some gay t content on TV and, and having these businesses have a platform to advertise on to the public while they were sitting in the privacy of their home, I also thought that um, female impersonation was such an, in, such an amazing uh, entertainment and talent that a lot of people in the country didn't get to see. And like you said, our TV show aired uh, locally, um, first on cable and then on a, one of the main independent networks, uh, 33 or 39, I forget which one, I think right. WCFS. Um, so it was local to Miami, uh, but it uh, opened people's eyes to uh, a form of entertainment that many people had not seen. It was kind of underground, unless you were gay, you really weren't going to the clubs and, and seeing this amazing entertainment. and you know, you were one of the best. So, I mean, uh, I think that, you know, it, it also gave people an opportunity to experience something that wasn't in their immediate circle, which always helps people to be more open and understanding of other people. And that's why I love film and television. I definitely think it impacts culture and acceptance. Very true. But yeah. I will have to correct you on one point. Oh, okay. Uh, female, for female impersonation was... A, a very big part of entertainment, especially in um, like, well, for instance, there was the Jewel Box Review, uh, which started back in the 60s. So there were, there was a generation before our generation right. that, were, that were actually very hip to the art of female impersonation. Or if you look um, at like Milton Berle and, and Flip Wilson kind of brought it to the mainstream, but, but uh, in a comical way. But um, when you say that, those weren't on TV, were they? They were not. Those were yeah. in, they were in dinner the theaters yeah. and, and whatnot. That was big in the Poconos and Atlantic City and, right. and places like, like that. So what I'm saying is like um, the difference would be that they had to seek that out. They had to buy a ticket and go to the show where this kind of popped into their home and, and, and I think, you know, uh, opened up the eyes of, of some people that otherwise hadn't experienced this form of entertainment. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, to, uh, you know, I think people would be so interested to know your beginnings because, uh, because this was a groundbreaking uh, thing that you did and that we did together. Um, you know, 30 years ago, people have to realize that uh, if they think it's tough today to be a trans woman, and let's face it, there's, you know, a lot of crime towards trans women. Uh, they've just removed laws to protect trans women. It, it, it's tough. I can't even imagine 30 years ago, you know, the courage to be yourself had to be an incredible amount of courage, Nikki. You had to have a really good support system around you, or else it, it, you would you were doomed for failure if you didn't. Um, if you were a person who was somebody who who, who did not have that support system, it, it would. I, I've known some very tragic stories. Let's put it that way. Right. And right. I was very lucky, in or and when I fell into um, sort of my my extended family, if you will, 
um, who were able to kind of bring me up through the, through the ranks, teach me the do's and don'ts. Not that I didn't do a few of the don'ts and, and learn from them. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was um, not a great thing to be walking around as a, as a female impersonator or as a, as a trans person. Um, the, fear of, of, the fear of getting caught by people who did, did not like that kind of thing was, was certainly real. Right. I think more and more of mainstream America is understanding that many people are born inside a body that doesn't fit how they feel. And, you know, I don't know what's so hard for people to understand about that. They could, you know, they should just put themselves in your shoes. And, um, you know, I, I really applaud you the, the, how you've been an example to people and had and, and really lived your authentic life. I mean, from day one, I met you, and this is 30 years ago, this is in the 80s, you were living your life as a woman. And some people might ask me, uh, why are you calling her a female impersonator? She's a trans woman, but you refer to yourself that way. And I'm so curious because you do live your life as a woman. And I think of a trans woman as a woman. So why do you still keep that title female impersonator? I'd love for you to explain that to my audience and to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do that as a form of, of um, I, first and foremost, I consider myself an entertainer. Right. And I think that the way people can, can relate to my form of entertainment is by calling myself a female impersonator. Right. Yes, I do live as female. That would put me under the general umbrella of transgender. Um, but that is, it's, transgender has so many different- Layers. I, layers is a great word, thank you. I'm <laughs> trying to think of a word and layers is absolutely perfect. Um, and, and so I'm just under the general umbrella of that, but I still like to be thought of as an entertainer. And again, I think people can, um, just as a, as a form of, of, of explaining what it is that I do, because you know an entertainer can be many things as well. So I think female impersonator just puts it into perspective in a lot of people's minds of exactly what I do. And the reason I, I, I do identify with what you're saying is I'm thinking like, well, certainly not all trans people are entertainers. So Correct. you're wanting to let people know, yes, I'm a trans person, but I'm an, I am an entertainer, thus the title female impersonator. Correct. Right. That's right. exactly right. And you're still performing now. I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I know COVID has been a setback on the clubs, but they're starting right. to reopen and I know you must have missed that and, and look forward to performing again, because I know it's in your DNA. <laughs> it certainly is. And yes, yeah. it, has, it has been hard, but you know, we're all in that same boat together. So we just have to have to get along. Right, right. What do you think, uh, what do you think is the situation now with these laws changing and how that's going to impact young trans kids coming up? Well, again, we're going through some very turbulent times. However, I think, I think that we have made as many gains as we are making losses at the same time. Um, we are more visible. We are, as a community, I think we are standing together and, and not, not allowing anything that we have lost to truly be taken away from us. Um, it, it may be taken away from us legally, but we will stand behind it until it is changed once again. It's a fight 
that it's a fight that's been going on for, you know, forever. For decades. And, and it's not over. Right. Uh, did you ever uh, venture down the path of getting married or? I did not. Um, and in retrospect, I probably should have. But uh, because my, my partner passed away four years ago and um, yes, I could have benefited quite a bit from, from I'm being- I'm so sorry about that. I, I can't even imagine because I know you mentioned you were with your partner 29 years. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? I'm glad you're saying this because there may be people out there listening that are in long-term relationships and need to realize how important it is to get married. Um, hopefully we always can, and that won't be taken away. Uh, hopefully. Um, I think I mentioned to you, I just finally got married a couple years ago um, at a ripe age. <laughs> we won't say which age, um, but uh, yeah, it feels great. It feels, it makes it feel so mainstream. Um, you know, after I did uh, uh, Way Off Broadway, uh, I ventured, my next film was I Can't Marry You, which was about same-sex marriage and marriage equality. And I, I do think um, all of the, like I said, I really think film and television has such an impact on society and changing culture and and, and, and helping change things for the better. Um, what, what type of programming are you particularly interested in that is uh, showcasing trans people now? Do you, are you a fan of some of these programs? I am more a fan of when it is in um, truly mainstream television shows and media, such as when, um, well, Orange is the New Black, huge and many, many people from many different um, walks of life watched that show. Um, there was a show on a few years back called Dirty Sexy Money, where um, actually uh, someone that I know, Candace Kane, was uh, an actress on, on that film. Right. Ground that was on ABC television. It was absolutely groundbreaking. Anyone yeah. in America could tune into that, into that show. They didn't need any special service to tune into it. And she was there on a weekly basis. And, and it was quite well known on the, on the show. It was, it, that was part of the plot, that she right. was a, a trans woman. Right. So um, things like that I am more interested in. You things like it more where it's in the mainstream than something like Transparent? Oh, no, I love Transparent. Oh, okay, okay. Transparent. Yes, I do. Um, anything that is, is out there on, on a main basis, I, I do. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Gee, don't let this get out. But I'm not a huge fan of Drag Race. Um, okay, we won't tell anyone. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, different folks, you know, different things for different folks, you know. Um, I guess Correct. people really love that. And I agree with you that um, it's nice to see things in a positive light and all the shows you mentioned have put it in a positive light because uh, the research shows that so many times in these crime shows and stuff, it is constantly the uh, trans woman that, I don't know, is being killed or beat up it's, or whatever. We're, and it's we're like, the victim. We are the victim. It's enough already. It's like it yeah. perpetuates that and it's Agreed. not good. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think as you have more and more women writers that are more empathetic to things like that, you're going to see less of that and more empowering roles. And I'm very excited about that. Except, of course, for J.K. Rowling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one. Well, you don't? No. 
She's apparently very transphobic. She is putting out many tweets about, oh, oh it's, it's- No, I didn't oh, know look that. it up. Yeah, look it up. It's, it's, she's not being very kind to- Oh, I smell a boycott, ladies. Yeah, well. <laughs> wow. Oh, I didn't know that. That's always disappointing. And Agreed. God knows there's a few politicians out there that are not in your court. We know that. Um, but thank goodness there are many that are. And uh, as we get, like I said, you know, I'm all about women's empowerment. So as we get more and more uh, women into politics, is, is there a, a trans, isn't there a trans woman in politics? I, think, I believe you are correct. I'm, I don't know that she, I, I remember seeing a story about it a few years back. So I'm not sure if she's still in the arena or not. Right. Yeah, uh, I have like not followed up on that. So my bad, but no, um, yeah. I don't know that for a fact. Right. What do you, you know, let's tell everybody you came from a little town in Pennsylvania that you shared a, with me. No, no, no. Let me correct you again. A tiny town in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> and size matters, honey. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so under 600 people yeah. live there now. Right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. What part of Pennsylvania is it? It's southwestern Pennsylvania. The name of the town is called Jennerstown, Pennsylvania. Jennerstown. You think they're, yeah. uh, well, well, Republican, Democrat? What do you think? <laughs> I know when I was growing up, it was a very Republican area. Right, right. I figured. Yeah. A lot of rural towns, but now they're kind of flipping. So, uh, right. so your parents initially were not happy that you were gay, but, or that they thought you were gay, but, uh, and then they finally warmed up to it. And you were telling me in the end, they were your biggest fans, which is the coolest part of the story, right? Correct. That is correct. Well, the, the night that I won Miss Florida, um, they were in the audience. Oh they my God, down, that's fantastic. They came down from Pennsylvania to Florida just for that event. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. And yes, they were my biggest fans. Yeah. So in the female impersonating arena, they had the Miss Florida pageant and you mm -hmm. were the winner and mm -hmm. have that title. I noticed it's in your uh, email. Uh, yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, mm -hmm. And and so um, so tell me, tell me what it was like growing up in a small town, because there's lots of people out there growing up in small towns today that are gay. How did you navigate that? Well, um, for a long time, I, I would say up until the, about the time I was 12, um, it was just a normal childhood. There was nothing, you know, nothing. And then suddenly, you know, I started realizing what my sexuality was. However, I will say that it was pointed out to me far before I ever truly came to the realization of it, it was pointed out to me by my peers, by the, by the, by my classmates and whatnot. And I was constantly picked on and I I was I didn't really know why even though uh, I, I kind of fought with myself for a, for a while over over it as but many boy, when I, do many kids do they sure you fight but it at boy, first when when I came out I I came out um, <laughs> in that very small town back in the 70s I was wearing you know Nick Nick see-through shirts and bell-bottom pants and platform shoes and, and I'm, I'm around a lot of farmers and and um, you know blue-collar workers working families um, and so that wasn't that because that's when it really became an issue with everybody else I right. I was not looked upon with very uh, with very good feelings. 
but uh, but I love that you had that conviction of wanting to be authentic. That's what I Absolutely. really admire. Well, plus the gay movement was really, really taking a hold in the 70s. And so, you know, I, as I educated myself on what was happening, I felt more empowered, even though I felt very alone where I was, I felt more empowered that, that eventually I was going to find my own. I was going to come to a place where, can you hear my, my assistant in the background? <laughs> um, <laughs> <cat>. <laughs> but I knew that I was going to come to a place, I, I would eventually come to a place where, where I could not only accept myself, but other people around me would accept me as well. So was the first place you moved to of uh, Fort Lauderdale? It was, yes. I oh. moved from Pennsylvania to Fort Lauderdale. And you knew that there was a gay constituency there that would be accepting? Is that why you moved there? Um, I didn't know all of it. I moved down with um, a friend of mine. Um, we happened after I got out of high school, I took on a, a job as being a waiter at a, at a Ramada Inn, a very nice Ramada Inn up in Pennsylvania. And she was a barmaid. And she was going to move back down to Florida and asked me if I wanted to come along. Now, my parents had, taught, had taken me down to Florida for a vacation several years before that. And I, I did love Florida. So as soon as she said that we were moving down, that she was moving down, I said, I, I am on board, let's go. And I know I didn't really know about the gay community down here. It wasn't something that I was coming down to, but practically on the first day, I found out just what, what it was all about and just how, how many gay people were in this area. And um, it was quite eye-opening to me, but exhilarating. I bet, I bet. Sure. And when did you first take, when did you first get into doing the female impersonation performances? What, what was your first performance? Oh dear. Well, my first performance was at this, again, tiny little bar in Fort Lauderdale. It was called TB's, which stood for Thunder Buns. <laughs> and I performed Liza Minnelli's, not as Liza Minnelli, but I performed her song, Ring Them Bells. Oh, yeah. Love and it. I, I look particularly awful, if I may say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, not sending a picture of that, huh? <laughs> there are no pictures of that. They have all been destroyed. <laughs> but um, I, I had always considered, I knew I wanted to get into, even back in high school, I knew I wanted to get into some form of entertainment. That was, that was what I wanted to do. Um, and when I was in Pennsylvania growing up, um, I, I used to go in and, and if my parents would leave, I used to go in and dress in my mother's clothes. So when I saw my first female impersonator show, which was John Goodwin, AKA Dana Manchester. Oh, really? That was the first one I ever saw. And as soon as I saw it, it just clicked in my head. I was like, well, I've been rehearsing for this for years. So, oh, that's <laughs> so great. I was... didn't know that he inspired you. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he went by he, and he was on the yeah. show as John Goodwin, but his persona in entertainment was Dana Manchester and was one of the best of the best, just like you. So no wonder you you took off because you took after after him. What it a was, mentor. It was a great pairing. Yes, it certainly was. And he was my mentor for sure for many, many things in, in life as well as entertaining. Right. Don't go there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is really cool. And you know what? I am so excited to reconnect with you. And I'm happy that you're thriving and still entertaining. And you are a trailblazer. And you have set the 
path for so many young kids coming up. And, you know, I wish we still had access to that show. Uh, gosh, only knows what happened to the reels over 30 years. And, yeah. you know, back then there was no social media, unfortunately, or we got a really rocked it. Uh, it would have gone viral for sure. Huh? Um, but, uh, so happy that things are changing and that we were in the beginning of kicking it off and getting it going and, and, and just shaking it up a little bit. Oh, I think I just lost you. Well, I, I'm coming, you coming back. I'm coming there you back. are. You're back. There I am. Yeah. And um, I, am. <laughs> I just want to say thanks for being on. And uh, this, like I said, is a full circle moment for me because this was my very first entrepreneurial endeavor. And I, you know, I've spent my life being a serial entrepreneur, working on empowering women, all women, and that includes trans women. So I'm super happy to have you on today. I wish you all the best in the future and uh, want to stay connected. And uh, just thank you for all you've done for all the kids coming up. You've really pay, paved the way for them. And you are an amazing entertainer. And I appreciate uh, having you involved in my very first project and glad that we did something game changing together. As am I. I have so many good memories from that. And, and it's been it was wonderful working with you back then and, and wonderful, wonderful to reconnect with you again after all this time. Thanks, Nikki. Well, for all of you out there, uh, please look up Nikki Adams if you're ever in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, of course, follow her on social media. Follow us on uh, at She Angels and visit investinherpodcast.com. Or, of course, find us on Apple and iTunes and all those great channels. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Remember to invest in her and invest in all women. Make it a great week, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Nikki. Bye-bye. Music was created and produced by Lindsay Tomasic.